Hot should have become prince of the land and lived happily ever after. Well, he is a kind of a prince. Ha! The prince of the dolls. Exactly. And he will rule over the land of the dolls. If there is such a place. And even if there is, he'll still be a nutcracker. No, no, the spell will be broken if he slays the Mouse King. And wins the hand of a fair young maiden. Precisely. <sighs> oh, Pavlova, why are all fairy stories the same? Welcome to the Bad Princess Movie Podcast. This is the podcast that seeks to catalog all of the terrible movies about princesses and princesses to be. I am Christy, and I am here with my friend and co-host Bree. Hello, hello. And we are here today to start off the first of our two Christmas-themed episodes that uh, we'll be doing for this year. And also, not a bad one. This one's good, yeah. actually. Yeah, this is this is like our, our Christmas treat for ourselves, is that yeah. the first Christmas movie we're going to be taking a look at is an actually good one. And then the next Christmas movie we'll be taking a look at is The Swan Princess Christmas. Which, <laughs> so look forward to that. Yes. That'll yes, probably so be a doozy. I'm, oh, I'm so excited to look forward to that one. <laughs> we're going to end the, end the year on a... Uh, not a high note in terms of quality, but a, a high note in terms of hilarity. Oh boy. We're we're doing two Christmas episodes because in stark contrast to Halloween, there are actually quite a few Christmas related movies related to princesses. There's just something about the holiday and princesses that I don't know, in the Venn diagram, it's just I guess it's more marketable to kids. I and I don't, I wonder why that is. I mean, I, I guess I kind of get Halloween. I don't, but like, there, cause like there definitely should be more like spooky princess films. Mm-hmm. But what is it about Christmas? I wonder. I, yeah, I don't really know. It's like, if I had to pick it out, I do wonder if it's just the aesthetic quality of the holiday overlaps a bit better with princesses. Like you just have like, when you think of Christmas, you think of like the glittery reds and greens, and it's all about just the the effervescent happiness of the season, which... Yeah. Okay, I guess I could see that. Yeah. I mean, that too, or it could just be very much this this marketing thing where... If you are a company and you're going to put out a holiday movie that you want to appeal to the the greatest number of kids, you're probably going to focus on Christmas because that's like the big holiday of the year. Um, and if you are trying to market to girls specifically, you are probably going to default to the stereotypical, well, girls like princesses, so I guess Christmas and princesses? Yeah, makes sense to me. <laughs> but uh, it's it's funny though. I, currently in my collection, I have fifteen bad princess movies related to Christmas. Wow. Which yeah, and 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 again, especially until we had found out about Twitches one and two, I only <laughs> had one movie related to Halloween in my collection. That's that's wild. 
And I mm-hmm. look forward to seeing that one in mm-hmm. two years. Oh, yeah. yeah. After oh, Twitch's two next year. Because we have to fucking space out all the Halloween ones. But um, c- contrasting contrasting Halloween to Christmas, um, interestingly, of the 15 Christmas-related princess movies I have, seven of those are retellings of the Nutcracker story. Really? Yeah, so this is, uh, not only are there far more princess-related movies about Christmas, but there's a subcategory of <laughs> Nutcracker movies. I, I wonder if it's, like, people really liked the ballet, or was the ballet based on the story? I should have looked this up. Yeah. Because, like, this is based on a story. Mm-hmm. And also uses music from the ballet. Yeah, so the so the ballet was uh, ad- adapted from the the short story. Okay, so maybe that's where yeah, maybe that's where it got its po- popularity as a sort of thing. Yeah, and from there, it's definitely the most iconic Christmas princess movie. So I guess it's it's probably that, and then probably too also. Because Tchaikovsky's music is in the public domain, there's also that element. To I was it just too. about to say, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you can just use that as we have as we have heard mm-hmm. in other films already. Yeah, time and time that are again. not Christmas themed at all. <laughs> I it makes you it makes you wonder if if Tchaikovsky what what would he have said if he had known that his music would just go on to to appear in like the most low budget films ever just because <laughs> it. It just sounds pretty, I guess. I don't know. I guess I don't know much about Tchaikovsky. Mm-hmm. But I like to hope that he would be like, oh, 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 hell yeah, people are still listening to my music in however many. I, I quite like this Golden Films. <laughs> These incredible moving images. Oh, this is fascinating. Yeah. When was Tchaikovsky alive? Oh, oh God! I'm oh, not no. sure. Actually, he he didn't see movies, did he? <laughs> oh God! Uh, 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 uh. No, no, no. Okay, he died in 1893. We're good. Okay. He never okay. saw movies. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. I'm really glad that we're we're making sure to be accurate with our. Offhanded, stupid jokes. Yeah, uh, you know. in this m- podcast about <laughs> shitty princess movies. Fact check. We gotta get it right. Done. Yes. But uh, <sighs> on to the movie in question, which we actually we haven't specified uh, in the audio so far. But we are taking a look today at the Nutcracker Prince. The Nutcracker Prince is a 1990 Canadian film, and it was animated by Lacewood Productions in Ottawa, Ontario. The film is, as mentioned, inspired by E.T.A. Hoffman's short story, The Nutcracker and the Mouse King, with music from the Tchaikovsky Ballet adaptation. The Nutcracker Prince is actually the first theatrical release for Lacewood Productions, who previously produced uh, the Katie and Orby TV show, as well as the For Better or Worse TV specials. The film features a pretty interesting voice cast. Uh, They have Kiefer Sutherland as the titular Nutcracker. We've got Megan Follows, who previously was in the 1985 Anne of Green Gables miniseries as Clara. 
There's comedian Mike McDonald as the Mouse King, Phyllis Diller voices the Mouse Queen, and Peter O'Toole, best known for his role in Lawrence of Arabia, voices the old soldier Pantaloon. Yeah, I I didn't realize that it had such a like a notable cast. Yeah, and it's it, I, it's kind of wild because even even a lot of the the minor characters, um, they when you look them up on IMDb, they have the, they're not like the most well known names in voice acting, but they have done a lot of work, especially in the Canadian animation industry. So I, w- I would definitely recommend checking those out afterwards uh, yeah. if you are interested. Now, Christy. This is, I think, one of the first films on this podcast where one of us has a very deep and loving nostalgia. At least one of us. I don't know if you do, but listen, this was one of my favorites as a child. I loved this movie and I still kind of love it. So that's it's going to be, you know what, for me, this is going to be a little biased because I still feel like a lot of it holds up. It's not, you know, there's parts of it that I'm like, now that I'm an adult, I'm like, oh, geez. But most of it, I'm like, oh, this 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 holds such a warm and fuzzy place in my heart that it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, I was so happy we got to talk about this one. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm I'm glad that we're I'm glad that we're able to to close out our first our first year doing this podcast with this movie that is obviously so near and dear to you. Well, almost I, um, close out. Then we still have the Swan Princess, but you know, close yeah. enough. Close yeah. enough. That that's the one that's near and dear to me. The train wreck <laughs> that is Swan Princess Christmas. <laughs> that's my oh. gift to myself for yes. this year. <laughs> I um I on the Nutcracker Prince I like I do remember watching this one on YTV quite a lot back in the day and it was I well I don't think I have the same level of cherished nostalgia as you do like this one is a really sweet little film it's just it's just a delight this is one of those ones that I my family used to go to Blockbuster every couple of weeks and rented some VHSs. Me and my brothers all got to pick out VHSs. And I I definitely rented this one several yeah. times. Aw. So this this might break your heart a bit to hear, um, but at the film's release, it did not receive a warm welcome from critics and it actually became a huge commercial failure. Really? Failure. Yeah, it oh. lost 1.7 million at the box office. Oof. Yeah. That sucks. And, and I think possibly as a result of that, the movie is hard to come by on DVD. There was a Region 1 release by Good Times Entertainment back in 2004, and a UK DVD release in 2007, which is what uh, I have. Um According to Wikipedia, because of some sort of unknown distribution rights issues, there has been no word about another Region 1 release. So people who want to check this out are kind of out of luck, unless you maybe have somebody on YouTube. Yeah, maybe maybe I've watched this uh, a couple years, like maybe like 
eight years back on YouTube. I don't know if that's yeah. still uploaded, but you know, <laughs> um, it is. <laughs> Hell yeah, <laughs> it is. So, well, and you know what? He, I guess, the, unintentionally, my gift to you this year was a better quality DVD oh. of the movie. Just what I wanted, Christy. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> On on that note, though, this is this is something that Brie, you and I actually we discovered a while back, um, just while we were chatting about princess movies. Is that the Nutcracker Prince has apparently ended up on a few of those weird bargain bin DVD compilations? Yeah, of, yeah. Um, specifically, all for Region Two, as far as I've seen. Um, some of them have included. So there's the Nutcracker Prince, All Dogs Go to Heaven. <laughs> The Felix the Cat movie, um, and the live-action Animal Farm movie. <laughs> I yeah. forgot about the last one. <gasps> Why? And the, yeah. That's... There there was also, I saw another one that swapped out All Dogs Go to Heaven for another live-action film named Kindergarten Ninja. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> And some some DVDs just have All Dogs Go to Heaven and The Nutcracker Prince. And then I have also seen one that pairs The Nutcracker Prince with Bevanfield Films' Beauty and the Beast and their take on Aladdin, which Bevanfield Films is basically the UK equivalent of Golden Films. And we may be taking a look at their version of Beauty and the Beast if I ever decide that you need to be punished for something. Oh, Wow. Yeah, so that's it's a bit of that's a severe. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. So we'll we'll see, we'll see how that <laughs> one goes. But yeah, poor poor little Nutcracker Prince. Just oh, it. You know, this is it's sort of similar to what I felt about Once Upon a Time, where this is a nice little film, and it's such a shame when these nice little films are hard to find. Yeah. You know, yeah, like. It's just, I didn't realize that it was so hard. To, I guess. Oh. Now I'm sad, Christy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Why would you do this? I mean, if anything, maybe maybe we can take pleasure in in putting this podcast out, and maybe more people will will know about the Nutcracker Prince. They'll remember they'll... it from from watching it on YTV as a child. Hmm. Yeah, and, and maybe, I don't know, maybe we need to start a petition, release a new DVD, come on. <laughs> I don't know who has the rights to this, but release it again. Yeah, come on, you fools. And also, <laughs> once upon a time, come on. They're good movies, goddammit. Remove these from purgatory, from yeah. <laughs> DVD purgatory. Come on. Yeah, such a shame. Oh, but... So, all that to say, I will have some heavy, heavy nostalgia goggles on here, and those nostalgia goggles have largely stayed on with repeated viewings. So, your mileage may vary. Maybe some folks won't enjoy this as much as I do, but for me, this, this is a delight. Awesome. I, I mean, don't, don't apologize, like, in, in, you know... In in the last episode, I was defending Princess Castle of all things. As like, oh, I kind of like this, so do not worry about. Sometimes, like, you just gotta like what you like. 
unapologetically. Yeah. <sighs> but on that note, Brie, is it time to do the near ludicrous speed summary of the plot of the Nutcracker Prince? Take it away, Christy. The film begins and we are introduced to Clara, a young girl out delivering Christmas presents with her younger brother Fritz. Clara and Fritz stop by the shop of Mr. Drosselmeyer, an old friend of the family who the kids respectfully refer to as Uncle. Drosselmeyer tells the kids that he will see them later that night at their parents' Christmas party, after he helps his nephew with something. Well, Hans, my boy, tonight. Clara and Fritz return home, and the party begins. After some revelry, Drosselmeyer arrives and unveils his gift to the family, a large clockwork castle full of moving figures. Clara's excitement at the castle is soon undone by her general uncertainty of what to do with herself at a party full of adults. While aimlessly wandering the room, Clara spies a wooden nutcracker that has suddenly appeared underneath the Christmas tree. Drosselmeyer explains that he brought the Nutcracker and proceeds to show Clara how he works. Unfortunately, Fritz demands a turn and ends up breaking the Nutcracker's teeth. Drosselmeyer consoles Clara with the story behind the Nutcracker. Once upon a time, there was a fine-looking young man called Hans, who was apprenticed to his uncle, Elias Christian Drosselmeyer, royal clockmaker and magician to the king and queen. That's your name. Yes, yes, well. On the king's birthday, the queen was preparing the royal birthday cake, a blue cheesecake, which was the king's favorite. Suddenly, the mouse queen appeared along with her son, and they and their mouse subjects proceeded to help themselves to the king's cheesecake. Furious, the king declared war on the mice. He ordered Elias Drosselmeyer to capture the mice. Drosselmeyer did so, save for the mouse king and her son. In revenge, the Mouse Queen snuck into the bedroom of the beautiful Princess Pearlypat. There, the Mouse Queen cast a spell on Pearlypat, turning her into an ugly hag. Eyes like azure, be as stone. Teeth like pearls, be as bone. Ugly as the night is long. Never man shall right this wrong. <laughs> Thankfully, Elias Drosselmeyer knew of a cure, the Krakatooth Nut. If Pearly Pat eats the Krakatooth Nut, she'll be restored to her former self. The trouble is that the Krakatooth Nut is the hardest nut to crack. The nut must be cracked by a young man who has never worn boots, who then must hand it to Pearly Pat with his eyes closed, and then take seven steps backwards without stumbling. The king vows that the man who is able to perform such a feat for his daughter shall win her hand in marriage. Noblemen came from all corners of the kingdom to try their hands at the Krakatooth nut, to no avail. Just when things were looking their bleakest, Hans decided to try his luck. Shockingly, Hans was able to crack the nut, and upon giving it to Pearly Pat, she was indeed restored to her former beauty. Furious at this, the Mouse Queen vowed that Pearly Pat's curse would instead be placed on Hans's head. The spell you broke on your head falls. You shall crack nuts, Prince of the Dolls. One, two, six. 
Hans turns into the Nutcracker, accidentally knocking over a stone bust while doing so, which crushes the Mouse Queen. The Mouse Queen's son declares himself king, while swearing revenge on the transformed Hans. Adding to Hans's misfortune, Pearly Pat rejects the ugly Nutcracker, and the king banishes Drosselmeyer and the Nutcracker from the kingdom. Back in the present day, Drosselmeyer explains to Clara that Hans will become Prince of the Land of the Dolls, and that the spell on him will be broken if Hans can slay the Mouse King and win the hand of a young fair maiden. Later that night, after the party has ended and everyone else is in bed, Clara sneaks downstairs to check up on the still-broken Nutcracker. She introduces him to her other dolls, Marie, Trudy, and the old soldier Pantaloon. Clara begins dancing with the Nutcracker, but their dance is interrupted by Drosselmeyer, who appears perched on the room's grandfather clock. Drosselmeyer unfurls his cloak and a wave of magic dust covers the room. With that, a troop of mice with makeshift weapons arrives on the scene. The Mouse King bursts into the room, and Drosselmeyer unleashes another wave of magic, which wakes up all of the dolls in the room, including the Nutcracker. The other dolls beseech the very confused Nutcracker to lead the troops against the Mouse King. Hey, Nutcracker! Come out and meet your fate, Prince of the Dolls! He's gigantic. Please? I'll do my best. A battle ensues, and it appears that the Mouse King has gained the upper hand. Before the Mouse King can defeat the Nutcracker, Clara intervenes, hitting the Mouse King with her thrown shoe. The Mouse King flees, and in the commotion, Clara trips and hits her head hard on the grandfather clock, falling into unconsciousness. Clara wakes up the next day in bed, and is visited by Drosselmeyer, who has repaired the Nutcracker's teeth. Clara demands answers from Drosselmeyer. Uncle Drosselmeyer, last night, I saw you. You were on top of the clock. Why didn't you help Nutcracker? Now, Clara. But he's your very own nephew, isn't he? I'm not the one who can help him. Clara's mother invites Drosselmeyer downstairs for tea, while requesting that Clara remain in bed all day to heal from her injury. Day turns to night, and Clara is asleep in her bed. The Mouse King breaks into her room, proudly announcing to Clara his intention to kill the Nutcracker. Clara is momentarily able to trap the Mouse King in her dresser, and she runs downstairs to protect the lifeless Nutcracker. Unsure of what to do, Clara calls for Drosselmeyer, who once again appears perched on the grandfather clock. Drosselmeyer awakens the dolls, and the Nutcracker faces the Mouse King in combat. Eventually, the battle makes its way up Clara's Christmas tree where, hidden from view, the Nutcracker is finally able to land a killing blow on the Mouse King. The Mouse King falls to the ground, seemingly dead. The dolls celebrate, but the celebration is cut short by the discovery that the old soldier doll, Pantaloon, has been hurt badly in the fight against the Mouse King. The dolls declare that Pantaloon must return to the Land of the Dolls, which can be reached through the clockwork castle that Drosselmeyer made. Drosselmeyer casts one last wave of magic on the room, and Clara shrinks down to doll size, small enough to fit inside the castle. The group enters the castle and begin to make their way to the land of the dolls. Unbeknownst to them, the Mouse King comes to life, eyes glowing red with rage. 
Clara and the others find themselves in the land of the dolls, a magical place where snow is made of coconut frosting, the forest is made of fully decorated Christmas trees, and the castle is made out of gingerbread. Pantaloon is restored to full health, and the Nutcracker is welcomed as Prince of the Dolls. Clara and the Nutcracker share a dance together. The Nutcracker asks Clara to stay with him as his princess and rule the land of the dolls together. While Clara is flattered and tempted, she turns down the Nutcracker's offer, wanting to experience adulthood. It's just... Well, the land of the dolls is where you all belong. But I want to grow up. There are a million things I want to do. People to meet, worlds to explore. I've always wanted to dance in the ballet. Oh, Nutcracker, I do love you. But I can't stay in the land of the dolls forever. In response, the dolls one by one begin returning to their inanimate forms. Just then, the Mouse King arrives, gasping for breath and blinded by rage. He bears down on Clara with his sword as the Nutcracker can only watch as he slowly returns to his inanimate form. Clara is chased by the Mouse King to a balcony and is only saved when the Mouse King's body gives out, causing him to tumble off the balcony to his final death. The land of the dolls begins disappearing around Clara, and she calls out for the Nutcracker. The next morning, Clara wakes up in bed to the news of Fritz saying that Clara's cat has caught a large mouse downstairs near the toy castle. Clara runs downstairs, but cannot find the Nutcracker. Clara rushes off to Drosselmeyer's shop. In a panic, she begs Drosselmeyer for answers on what happened to the Nutcracker. I must know, is the Nutcracker really your nephew? Was there really a Mouse King? You must tell me. I must know what is real and what isn't. Oh, Clara. I have to know, please. <laughs> Clara, I'd like you to meet my nephew, Hans. Hello. Clara. Hello. Nutcracker. happy sigh from you in, in the discussion of these movies <laughs> oh so in contrast to princess princess castle last time where once again it sort of ends with like the the fantasy world the the fantasy story ending and then the protagonist like the princess meeting the prince uh mm -hmm. in reality like oh hi i'm so and so that I just yeah. I just moved in. I'm Tony. I'm Tony. <laughs> Tony. Tony. I just moved in across the street. Yeah. Um, this one I buy 100. percent Oh, absolutely. This one yeah. I completely. And I think it's because of the presence of of Drosselmeyer being this sort of like he's a magic man. He's like a sorcerer <laughs> dude. And so it it lends this air of like. No, he, this well, really, he, this really kind of happened. Like he's he's magical. He's mm -hmm. maybe from a different land, and it's yeah. kind of it's at least parts of it are real, or something in terms of the story. Yeah, it's it is it is funny that completely by accident, Princess Castle was a really interesting movie to do just before this one. Um, yeah, because yeah, like as you said, 
Drosselmeyer basically grounds Clara's adventures in reality because he's always he's always there. Like you just get the impression that he's kind of just the puppet master here. He's always the one behind the scenes engineering this situation. Um, yeah, he never he never flat out tells Clara what he's up to, but he also doesn't attempt to mislead her or convince her to think one way or another. Whether in the midst of the fantasy world or in the real real world, he is always there just gently guiding Clara towards the Nutcracker. Yeah. And, like, even if it's a situation where it's, like, none of this is, like, air quotes real. Like, it's all just sort of a fairy story. It's still something about having having this character be there to sort of either spur her imagination about this or something mm. like even if he's not actually magical and it's all just been sort of a a mysterious fairy story that he's just sort of been telling her it's still it still makes it work for me yeah. i don't know how much of that is nostalgia or how much of that is like <laughs> yeah no i i i i can feel this in my heart and soul no it 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 absolutely I think it absolutely is the movie itself. It's just so much more better constructed than Princess Castle. Like even even the last like thirty seconds of the movie, which is exactly the same as Princess Castle, where in that one Claire meets Tony from across the street, and the film just ends and and that's it. Versus. In the Nutcracker Prince with Clara and Hans, you you kind of actually you mentioned this in the last episode, funnily enough. But they have that moment of recognition, something in the animation where when Clara and Hans see each other in human form in the real world, there's some form of recognition between the two. It 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 shows you that it wasn't just Clara's adventures in the Doll Kingdom. The events of the movie was a shared experience between her and Hans. Yeah. Even if it's sort of a story they were both told or something, even if it's as simple as that, it's it's something mm -hmm. that where I buy it. Yeah. I just I just buy it. Yeah. I I fully I fully buy this one as this actually happened. Like just with Again, with Drosselmeyer's presence, and I think for me, a lot of it is how he reacts to Clara in the real world. He's never questioning, you know, because, like, she she flat out, like, tells him, like, hey, like, this crazy shit just happened to me last night. Oh, yeah, like, why like, didn't you help? And he's like, I can't help. It's on you. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, oh I, well, he knows. Like, he knows what's going yeah. on. Yeah, like, again, there's never a moment where he flat out is like, you have to save my nephew Hans, Clara. This is all real. He's just, like, he he's just kind of letting Clara come to her own conclusions and, again, just sort of gently guiding her he's towards a, a mysterious old magical man. Yeah. Just magical man and I, I just i just love when he's just perched on up on that clock and he's just kind of because he <laughs> well you say you say perched on the clock it's more like he's he's not like an old man crouching on top of a grandfather clock it's 
It shows that he... It kind of is, though. Well, it shows that he made the clock. Like, it's a Drosselmeyer clock. So he is a clockmaker, mm-hmm. like, in the story. And he makes these yeah. toys out of clockwork. But, like, the clock it has, like, an owl on top of this grandfather clock. And the owl spreads its wings. And then it's, like, it's almost like a ghostly figure. Like, a specter of Drosselmeyer kind of self-imposes over it with, like, his cloak spread behind his arms. So it's it's not mm-hmm. like he's an old man just <laughs> literally corporally yeah. sitting on oh, top yeah, of guess. the clock. He's more like a like a like a specter or a or a ghost or something. Yeah, I guess I guess like a, now a magical vision. Now that you explain it, now I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I should clarify that he <laughs> like he wasn't like physically he, he wasn't physically kind of there, that. just sitting in their living room on top of their clock. No. No, although, I mean, yeah, like, he, he he kind of was, but in ghost form, I guess. Yeah. The ghost, yeah. He's like a weird spirit oh, that's hanging out on top of the clock. Yeah. His his clockwork creations are really fun. I, I gotta yeah. point out, when he... He he brings this this beautiful clockwork castle to Clara's family as as just like that's their the family Christmas gift that year and it's got all these little moving parts and these little doodads and it's so I relate to this so much but both Clara and Fritz immediately they're like oh can it do this can it do this and Drosselmeyer's <laughs> like no no it could do what I made it do yeah. And then both, like, Fritz especially is just like, oh, whatever, that's boring. And, and Drosselmeyer, Drosselmeyer just has a little moment where he's just like, these goddamn kids today <laughs> don't understand. Can the soldiers come outside, Uncle Drosselmeyer? <laughs> no, Fritz, I'm afraid that's not possible. I wish the swans could fly. That, too, is impossible, Clara. Make the soldiers fire their guns, Uncle Drosselmeyer. Pow, pow, pow! Oh, no, no, don't you understand? Now, that's how it was made to work, and that's how it does work. Oh, I can make my soldiers do anything I like. Toys like this are really wasted on the children of today. They have no respect for the laws of mechanics. This fucking amazing bit of mechanical ingenuity that I employed to make this beautiful castle for your family and you little shits are dunking on it within five (laughs) minutes of me presenting it to you. This absolutely gorgeous piece of intricate clockwork. Sorry, I'm sorry it doesn't do everything you want it to. Kids. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, little jerks. I guess I'll just bring it home with me because you don't appreciate it. <laughs> but that's like the only point in the film where he's like, he's kind of grumpy with them. More or less, he's just sort of yeah. a, like a mischievous, like kind old mm-hmm. man, which is fun. Yeah, like he's just he's just a he's just a weird mischievous old dude. Yeah, that is that their and, parents know. So he's not creepy. He's just like mm-hmm. he's their friend, and so they call him Uncle Drosselmeyer. Yeah, which yeah, to to point that out, it's again, it's funny to watch this right after Princess Castle because they they put that little line in at the beginning to you know uh, Clara flat out sa- asks um, when Drosselmeyer brings up his nephew, Clara flat out asks Drosselmeyer, is he actually your nephew or does he just call you nephew like we do? And right off the bat, we avoid that awkward, like, uh, are they related? (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, Princess Castle where there's some weird fucking time travel shit going on there. So it's like, 
yeah, right off the bat, it's it's like a nice little oh, okay, good. They're not related. They're, that's just they just call him uncle because he's their parents' old friend, which makes sense mm-hmm. to me. Sounds right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think one one thing I really like in this film is that there is sort of with Clara. You see that she's dealing with being at that awkward age where oh, yeah. she's at the the crossroads between childhood and adulthood. They mm-hmm. they don't specify her age, but I think we're probably safe to assume she's about the same age as Hans who was stated to be 14. Yeah, I was sort of thinking she was like 12, 13, so maybe a little a little younger because she gets some yeah. um, she gets a doll for Christmas. She gets Marie, mm-hmm. her doll. Yeah. And you see, you just see her parents and her mom kind of looks and she's like, oh, I think this will be the last doll that, that Clara gets for Christmas. Like sort of indicating that like, oh, she's she's growing out of these now. Like, mm-hmm. this is the last time we'll be able to get her, like we're going to get her a doll for Christmas. Because then you see her older sister and she gets like a dress and she's all excited yeah, it's you see you very specifically see that that uh, like characters comment on it like you said that Clara is at that age where she is naturally supposed to stop caring about dolls. Um and yet when we are introduced to her, we see that, you know, again she is playing with dolls. She goofs around with her younger brother. They have a race to get home and they're uh Clara starts uh when her her older sister when her older sister's boyfriend comes to the party, uh, Clara is kind of making fun of her sister, and she's just kind of just making fun of the idea of like relationships in general, I guess. Yeah, um, but you can tell that she's sort of like there's there's one like a couple nice scenes where she sort of like is just walking through this party, and she's like she's not off playing with her brother, but she's not at the at the adults sort of like everyone's doing mm-hmm. their proper dancing kind of moment. So you can yeah, just see yeah. that she's like right at the edge of that sort of awkward age. Like, oh, you feel it. <laughs> you feel it in your bones. Like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And she and she is aware of it, too. Like, as you said, like during that that spot in the Christmas party, she she's wandering the party by herself. And at one point, she even she stops to look at her dolls in their glass case. And she just kind of she just kind of looks at them and just sort of like sadly walks away and so it's like this nice bit of storytelling where Clara doesn't join in on the adults dancing but she also resists the urge to just go play with her dolls she's just kind of stuck in the middle yeah yeah which I think gives a lot of sort of credence to the end of the film too when we get there but Mm -hmm. yeah well, and I, I, I guess to to go back a bit, there's also there's also a nice little moment with, uh, so she Clara witnesses her sister being romanced at the Christmas party. Isn't that an enchanting melody? Oh, uh, yes, it is. Shall we dance? I'd love to. And again, she was kind of making fun of her sister at the time, uh, but. Later on, when Clara is all alone with the Nutcracker, Clara actually mimics word for word her sister's method for getting uh, the guy to dance with her at the party. What an enchanting melody. What's that you say? Shall we dance? 
Oh, yes, please. She... So it's, it's again, it's this nice storytelling where she, she both wants to make fun of, like, ew, boy's gross, but then she's also, like, uh, like, when I'm all alone, maybe I'll kind of, you know, admit to myself that it might be nice. Yeah. Oh, it's just such a good, it's just such a good way of showing that, I think. Mm-hmm. I was, yeah, I was kind of surprised, actually, because it had been a while since I had seen this film. So I, this was a part to it that I, I had forgotten that there's, again, this theme of, of growing up and, and getting to see Clara go through that. So this was kind of like a, a really nice bit of depth to the film that I completely forgot about. Mm-hmm. I, it's probably, I, like, obviously as a child, I didn't clue into it at all, but like, seeing mm-hmm. it now, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's really, like, it's really sweet. It's really good storytelling. Mm-hmm. I, I like this movie a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I guess to, to touch on the ending a bit, because it, it cause, again, it just kind of ties in with this, this theme of growing yeah. up. Is Clara rejects the Nutcracker's offer to stay in the land of the dolls. She she doesn't want to stay a kid for forever. She doesn't want to, you know, be that person for forever. And she even, she cites wanting to grow up as the reason why she can't stay with the Nutcracker. There are goals and aspirations that she has that hinge on her being an adult. Yeah, which having established that near the beginning makes that more like believable mm-hmm. it's like i i love you all and i want to stay but i can't stay uh, like i need to i need to grow up i need to experience things i want to go and do things mm-hmm. yeah the the ballet being being the big thing is that we see throughout the film that clara she does ballet she wants to dance in uh in the ba- the official ballet and so that's one of the things that she brings up to the Nutcracker, and it's very much like she she's like, I love you all, and I wish I could stay, but what about all of these other things that I want to do that I can't do if I stay a kid for forever? Yeah, well, like I have I have dreams. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's very good, and it and it, it's a minor thing too. But Clara, she also brings up her family and how she she knows that her family will be worried if she never returns home, which I point out because I have seen other versions of the Nutcracker where Clara does not give two shits about returning (laughs) home to her family. (laughs) Which is like, look, I'm, I'm guilty of being one of those people where it's like, okay, you've been taken to a fantasy land. You've been taken to like someplace cool and it's like, mm-hmm. no, I need to go home to my normal life and be normal. And I'm always just like, that's bullshit. But like... <laughs> <laughs> bullshit. I guess if, if Brie ever mysteriously disappears one day, let's all just hope that she, you know, I, David Bowie just, came to... Yeah, I, I got whisk, whisked off away. to a magical land where I have like magical powers, etc., etc. Like that kind of thing where, where they end up like freaking isekai and they're like no i have to go back to the real world and i'm like you don't though like you can just (laughs) you can just chill where you are and just you're in a magical cool ass land 
So that said, <laughs> I totally still like at the end of this where she's like, I I want to, but also I want to be an adult. Like I want to experience mm-hmm. my life. I'm like, yeah. okay, I get that. That's, you know, I wouldn't want to be stuck at <laughs> like 13 for eternity. That yeah. would suck so bad. Oh, fuck, you're right. God. <laughs> Can you imagine? I was so... See, at least Clara is, like... She seems mature enough for her age. Like... Yeah. I was I was a little shit when I was 13. I don't want to stay that little dweeb for forever. <laughs> God. <laughs> yep. Yeah, same. Yeah. So, God. Like, I, I understand. That's, you know... That does make sense. Mm-hmm. It yeah, like especially like given her age, like again, it's a very mature response, and it's like yeah, you know what, you you should not stay in this magical toyland for forever. Just good, you know, good choice, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God, that <sighs> ending though. It's so sad. Yeah. Like. Or this, I, I assume you mean the ending where all of the toys, where she says she wants to go home and grow up and all of the toys just start turning back into toys. Like they just, yeah. the life fades from them and they just fall over onto the ground. And it's like, oh no, this is really yeah. sad. This yeah, sucks. like they, they don't even, from what I remember, they don't even like say anything to Clara. They just start returning back to their their inanimate forms and just lifelessly drop into the ground while she starts pleading with them like no please don't be that way like i i have to go home i can't like i love you all please don't do this to me you know yeah it's like it's really sad it's 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 sad and then it's also fucking terrified because that the mouse king arrives yeah the mouse king shows up and oh. he's like He's got, like, burning red eyes, and he's got, like, a gaping wound in his chest, and he's breathing raggedly, so he's, like, holding this wound closed as he's swinging his sword wildly at Clara. (laughs) And I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, he says says nothing. He's just gasping with his haggard breath as he he just goes after her. And, 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 And meanwhile, the Nutcracker is just is powerless to intervene because he's slowly turning back into his nutcracker form and you even see a, a, like a single tear roll down his cheek before he finally like succumbs and, and fully returns back to being a nutcracker yeah because it's like up until this point the the mouse king was like he was the villain and there was some threat mm-hmm. from him but like he was also like a silly character like he was also yeah it was jokes and he, his tail kept getting hurt and he was like, oh no, my tail. And so that sort mm. of thing. But then he shows up at the end here and he is just like, you can tell he's like barely clinging to life and only doing this for like vengeance. Yeah. Like, there's no, there's yeah, no funny he's... quips. There's no jokes. He is just like, <gasps> as he's <laughs> coming at them with a sword. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, Ugh. it's just it's it's goddamn terrifying. It's like he he was able to to will himself from death based on just the rage that he felt against the nutcracker for besting him. And yeah. and it's funny because he when he returns to life, he doesn't go after 
the Nutcracker, he is straight focused on Clara. Yeah. And, and I don't know, it's almost like he knows that that's the best way to get back at the Nutcracker, is just to ruin, or just to destroy the, 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 the girl that the Nutcracker clearly has a crush on. It's so, it's so evil. Yeah. And she's just like desperately flinging pastries at him because she can't fight yeah. him. <laughs> she's just like, everyone's turned back to dolls around her. She's alone in this castle with this like murder, murder mouse. Yeah. And she's just like, she grabs sweets from the banquet table and is like throwing them at him to be like, mm-hmm. just anything to get him to stop. And the only way she survives is he topples off of the balcony with yeah. her. And she just, she grabs the ledge before she falls too. I'm like, Jesus. Yeah. Like, like, like you get the, at least I get the impression that he, she only survived because his body just gives out. Like, yeah. he just, you know, and it's <laughs> like, it's just horrifying to think about. Like, whatever shit. rage is fueling his, like, undead husk finally gives out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Christ. And like, and like you <laughs> said, he was, he started off as like, this such a jokey character where, you know, when you see his mom get squished in the flashback, he, he's more upset over his tail being busted than his mom dying. And he's yeah. just like, he's always very silly about, you know, just, oh, God. He's like, I'm going to rule the world. Ah. And yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. He's just sort of a joke. He, he looks like he's, yeah. He looks like he's going to be upset about his mom dying, but then he realizes it makes him a king. And then he's like, ha ha ha. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is great. Bobsy. 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 You're, you're, you're dead! My poor, sweet Bobsy. Oh, how I miss you. I'm all alone. Just me and your crowd. <laughs> I'm king! I am the mouse king! I am the mouse king! And he doesn't... Like, the reason why he declares revenge on the Nutcracker isn't for killing his mom. It's because the mouse king's tail got banged up in the same accident that killed the mouse queen. So that's yeah. what he swears revenge on. Yeah, he, gets, My tail he wants gone. revenge for his crooked tail. Oh, yeah. my God. So, yeah. The, the contrast between, <laughs> like, silly jokey villain... And then Murder Mouse at the end is like, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. This is dire. Goddamn terrifying. I I remember when I, so back when I first started assembling my collection of uh, Bad Princess movies, this is one that I, you know, I, of course, I remembered from childhood. And so I was like, oh, yeah, like, let's, let's give this one a watch to see if, you know, maybe, maybe if this one is worth including in uh, my collection. And... It was, I mostly have included it in the the Bad Princess movie roster. Obviously not because it's a bad movie, but because, holy shit, that ending is just like, I, I, I just remember when I watched it for the first time in years, I was stunned by how scary it was. Yeah. <laughs> just the horror of it is unexpected. Yeah. 
Yeah, and 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 so I just I had to. I was like, okay, this is this is one that we include because it's it's like a good movie worth watching, but also holy shit that ended. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's 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 kind of brutal, but it's in <laughs> like a in a good way. Yeah. On that note, Bree, um, we come to a session of my notes that I have titled. Roger Ebert hated this movie. Oh, no. (laughs) So, specifically, Roger Ebert reviewed the movie when it first came out, giving it two out of five stars, and his reason for doing so appears to be that he was hung up on the violence in the movie. Um, Really? His review... Yeah. His review starts off with, where did it start? This idea in our society that death was a solution. Uh, so he... Yeah. Uh, okay. He specifically did not like the climactic battle between the Nutcracker and the Mouse King, feeling that it was unnecessary. He he says, Why are fight scenes and violent deaths now so routine in children's film and on TV? In real life, a person who believes he cannot win without death of his opponent is seen as a monster. As he puts it, the problem is that the villain is alive and the solution is to kill him. He also says that the level of imagination in the story is about as inventive as on most Saturday morning cartoons. There's no great tragedy here, just another sad little shred of evidence about the times we live in. In the real world, when a person is so lacking in empathy that he kills someone else simply for his own convenience, he is known as a psychopath. Why does our society give its children so many stories in which the heroes, not the villains, are psychopaths? Uh, 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 yeah. Uh, wow. Mr. Ebert? Yeah, um, it's... I, I, I mean, it's... <laughs> I'm speechless. Yeah, it's... Like, I guess to his credit, I kind of see where he's coming from. Like, as we yeah. just said, like, that ending is like, holy shit, this is brutal. Um, I should point out, too, um, when the Nutcracker has defeated the Mouse King, you even see blood on the Nutcracker's sword. I did make a note of that. I'm like, damn, like that's, yeah. that is some on-screen blood right there. Yeah, so it's like... I kind of I kind of get it, but at the same time, I also feel like it's such a huge disservice to this movie to for him to fixate on the the those parts. Like whereas yeah. we said, like there's this lovely the lovely bits of of Clara having to shed her childhood and grow up and there's just like there's so much other stuff to like in this movie and yet just He's so hung up on, on the, just the Mouse King's death. Yeah, it's. Yeah, I, I, I guess I'm with you. Like, I can see sort of what he was coming from, but yeah, to fixate just on that bit is so. Hmm. Ugh. Like, yeah, like the this was basically his entire review was just bemoaning his. His uh, feelings that, you know, this movie is just, uh, I guess, emblematic of society and 
and uh, society is giving children these here these psychopathic heroes and the you know I just, I don't that's not it is <laughs> are you are you gonna be okay I I'm gonna be fine I'm fine yeah. I'm just I feel like I need to sit with this for a minute and like yeah just sort of like stare out in the distance and think about life yeah why why Roger Ebert why have you proclaimed society's ills and pinned them on the Nutcracker Prince? Yeah, why this movie? <laughs> really? You know, like, what else was released in 1990 that... I don't know, just... Specifically animated films with with violence. Yeah. Hold on, I'm gonna I... have to look that up now. <laughs> Both of us... This is the part of the podcast where we Google... What came out in 1990 for animated films? I know, I know. The Little Mermaid was 1989, and I guess in that you see you see Ursula get speared by a boat. So, oh, that's true. She does get speared by a boat. Uh but she, but it's like you know what though? Like, okay, I she I say this not lightly, but she kind of deserved it, and. <laughs> Sort of the Mouse King. Yeah, it's not like they were like, oh, he's he's an inconvenience, so we must murder. It's he is trying to kill us, so we must defend yeah. ourselves. I guess yeah. if like maybe he wanted more of an imaginative solution to the problem, like send the Mouse yeah. King to a pet store, <laughs> or or you you. You reason with the Mouse King, and you you talk to him about his feelings, and then he, you know, yeah, he feels bad for declaring revenge on Hans. Except because he seems I like a know, deep he... character that would really benefit from yeah. a lot of, um, deep conversation. Yeah, like that's the thing is that the character of the Mouse King, as he is prevented, he's not the type of character that would be reasoned with. No. He's he's a a nasty mad little rat and he just wants to rule. And he is yeah. mad cuz his tail got squished. So for that he'll kill you. It's like damn. Yeah, yeah, that's he's just he's just a bad guy. Yeah, it's it's weird at this inference that because the nutcracker is forced to kill the Mouse King. That that there's this inference that oh, well, the Nutcracker is a psychopath. Yeah. He, what? He, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, Mister Ebert. Yeah. Hans is such a sweetheart in the movie. He's just a sweet little. He's just a sweet kid who like doesn't yeah. want to fight. He's like they're like Prince. You mean to save us? Like you must guide us in this battle. And he's like. Um, literally, I'm just like, I was, I was just with my uncle and we were, we were helping yeah. a princess. Yeah. I don't know shit about shit, <laughs> but okay, I guess he I'll do my best. Yeah. He literally, <laughs> he literally says the last thing he remembers is Princess Pearly Pat. So he, he has been in stasis ever since the spell took place. And then when he wakes up, he's got these people shouting at him. Yo, you gotta, you gotta defeat the Mouse King. Like, What? <laughs> Just, no, oh, I'm okay. 14. <laughs> I'm a 14-year-old kid. Yeah. 
I don't know. Like, is that it? Like, does he object to this, to to Hans being pressured into killing the Mouse King? But at the same time, the Mouse King was trying to kill him. Yeah. He's got to defend himself. Yeah. It's, I, baffling. That is a baffling way of looking at this film. I'm also curious, because I will admit, I Mm -hmm. don't actually know the story behind the Nutcracker Ballet or the sort of, the, um, book or the the story that it's based on. Yeah. So, like, Mm -hmm. the only, really the only Nutcracker-based media (laughs) I've seen (laughs) has been, like, animated films. Yeah. And mostly this one. (laughs) So, like... Yeah. I don't know if that's actually, it, like, a thing that happens in the in the original interpretations or the original texts. So, that, uh, that the Nutcracker has to kill the Mouse King? Yeah. I would assume yeah. so. Like, they wouldn't just put yeah, a murder like, in the animated show just because. The exact kind of... There's... For the most part, the Nutcracker Prince is pretty close to the original story there's definitely some liberties they take like the the uh final climactic uh battle with the um with the nutcracker and the mouse king that's kind of different and then the mouse king doesn't return to try and kill clara at the end but in the original story the nutcracker does have to kill the mouse king because similar you know a similar thing the mouse king has sworn revenge, and he wants to kill the Nutcracker. So it's kind of a killer-be-killed situation. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe he's lamenting the lack of imagination to finding a different route from murder for the children's film. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know. I watched it a lot as a kid, and I uh, made sense to me. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, of, there's a lot of villain murder in some in animated films because they're evil, yeah. and kids are like, yeah, yeah. And I guess I don't know. Maybe, maybe it might not even be so much that the Mouse King was had to be killed, but maybe it's the specific way in which he was done that I guess maybe see you know if if because there's the trope in Disney movies where how many villain deaths have been done because the villain fell off something really high yeah like, like they they aren't strictly like actually murdered it's they they fell to their doom mm-hmm. they caused their own death yeah kind of thing yeah yeah exactly that's that's usually what it is 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 you know it's it's Gaston falling to his death it's it's Frollo falling to his death the yeah you know it's it's a way to to end the villain without having to have the protagonist actually deliberately do a murder uh, <laughs> yeah and so and so maybe that's mostly what he is kind of wrestling against is that you 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 see uh, okay you don't see it it's obscured by the christmas tree but the nutcracker stabs the mouse king and you kind of see the after um the the results of it the 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 thud as the mouse king lands seemingly dead on the floor and And hans kind of throwing down yeah jumping down and then throwing down the bloodied sword it's like okay Yeah. yeah sure all right that's maybe something that can be mentioned. But uh, yeah. you also mentioned Ursula 
uh, doesn't fall to her death, she turns into a giant monster and gets speared on a boat. So maybe that's why. Yeah, maybe he saw and- the Little Mermaid and then he saw this and he's like, why are they taking an active role in these villains' demises now? Yeah. Yeah, and, no. and maybe maybe that's really the real nut of it, is that act, that active role in the villain's demise he found uncomfortable. Like, of course, now I kind of am curious about looking up. Like, I'm sure he probably would have reviewed The Little Mermaid. <laughs> probably. Yeah. I'll, I'll look that up later. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, anyway, I disagree, Mr. Ebert. Um, yeah. The professional film critic well, of decades. <laughs> I, yeah. I... A, a, a person who a, a who is person was way smarter who, than I. Who I I someone who enjoyed this film a great deal as a child and still enjoys it as an adult. Yeah. Ar- excuse me. Argue with you, Ex- sir. <laughs> excuse me, Mister Ebert, but I have um I have a hundred different movies about princesses, and so I think I'm an um, um, authority on this this subject matter. But I it's true, you are an expert, mm-hmm. and I <laughs> disagree. <laughs> oh yeah, that's wild. It's again. It's just I think it's just at the nut of it. It just feels <laughs> the nut of reductive. it. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. But yeah, it just it just feels reductive to all the yeah. other good qualities the movie has. Yeah. For sure. Back to I kind of touched on this earlier, but but Hans is just kind of a sweetie. He's just a good kid. Yeah, it's like, just doing like, his best. Yeah, like cuz to be fair, you don't get like I wouldn't say he has a very distinct character. He's just kind of a nice dude. Yeah, he's just like a a, a nice normal kid. Yeah. I think I, I mostly think of like with Princess Pearly Pat, when she is transformed, they they specifically have everybody else in the kingdom is blindfolded because they're just so disgusted with how she looks that they, they can't bear to look at her. And Yet here's Hans, and not only is he, you know, he's totally fine, like, being near Princess Pearlypat when she's transformed, but he's actually, like, helping her, like, he's feeding her nuts, and he, you know, he goes out of his way to, to assist her when it seems like all else has failed, and, you know, he's the one that steps up and is able to crack the nut. Yeah. Which I thought it was really cute, the little piece of animation where he, he puts the the crack a tooth nut in between his teeth and then he grabs himself by the ponytail and just like tugs mm-hmm. on his own hair to to help himself crack it and i'm like oh like the nut crack oh yeah. that's cute that's a good one it's just a really cute little, yeah, little bit I of like animation there yeah hmm i do i guess one one thing i do wish that they did with uh with the film is so the curse that um, the, the curse that the, the mouse queen put on to Princess Pearly Pet, which was then transferred to Hans, um, in the original story, they made it pretty clear that Pearly Pet's curse gave her the features of a nutcracker. So she, she's listed as having a wide head with a big mouse and a cottony beard. Oh. Um, yeah. Which, compared to this movie where 
Pearly Pat is just kind of a generic sort of witchy looking character where she's got green skin and warts. Um, yeah. And so I, I did kind of miss that because it was sort of a nice little bit that I have seen in other versions where it just, it, it kind of makes it make sense. Well, why does Hans turn into a nutcracker? Oh, yeah. well, it's because the curse itself is, is being transferred to him and it just so happened that it gives him the characteristics of a nutcracker. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that would have made more sense. Mm-hmm. But. I, yeah. I think, too, I, I another small thing that I, I kind of got stuck on is that, um, just kind of the question of why did Hans turn into the Nutcracker, spe- like, specifically, what cursed Hans? Um, because we see when the Mouse Queen is cursing pearly pat she kind of finishes the curse with biting her and yeah. and that's when the curse um t- kind of takes over pearly pat is after the mouse queen bites her yeah with hans we are given the the history of the crackatooth nut and and it's said that you have to complete this this ritual um in order to crack it um and so basically Hans is in the middle of completing that ritual. He's taking the seven steps backwards when the Mouse Queen decides to pass the curse. Like, she kind of just declares that the curse will fall on Hans's head instead. Mm-hmm. And so she bites him as he's taking that last step. So he stumbles. And so basically my question is, well, we have seen the Mouse Queen cast curses by biting somebody. So is she just directly biting Hans to give him the curse or is it because Hans stumbled at the last step that that's what passed the curse on to him I think well his foot kind of lands on the la- on the seventh step and then she bites him so I I I had assumed yeah. that he broke the curse and then she was cursing him anew kind of thing that was I think that was okay. always my idea was that he because he's counting the steps as he steps backwards and then his heel hits the seventh one and then she bites him. So he breaks the curse because otherwise, yeah. I, I always figured, because she's like doing a spell as she runs up to to uh, yeah. to bite him again. Mm-hmm. So I assumed it was okay. just a new that, spell. That would make sense. <laughs> yeah. It's it's one of those like minor, minor things that <laughs> those little it's like, like a... Yeah, but it's it's just one of those little nitpicky things that, like, they could have tightened up just a little bit, but it's probably, like, that's, like, that's, like, I guess just a testament to this movie is that it's, like, these are the straws that I have to grasp at. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So speaking of that entire flashback sequence, or the, yeah. the flashback slash story that Jocelyn Meyer tells... Which is animated mm-hmm. in a different st- like uh, style than the rest of the movie, which mm-hmm. is really fun. Like it yeah, almost it's... it looks like an old. I'm trying to think of the style of, of film it reminds um, me of. It kind of kind of reminded me of the old UPA. Uh, That's what I was about stuff. to say. It was you like old UPA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like Gerald McBoing Boing and, yeah. and uh, Mr. Magoo. Yeah, exactly. I was like, UPA was on the tip of my tongue, but I was like, am I gonna, am I gonna just embarrass myself? 
But yeah, no, it's, it's <laughs> so it was very flat and geometric compared to the yeah. rest of the movie. Yeah, like the the rest of the movie is that sort of for lack of a better term, like a Disney-esque style to it. Yeah. Just like the the look and feel of the character. So it was nice to see both as a way to like make the flashback visually distinct from the rest of the movie, but also like it was fun to kind of see the more cartoonier animation. Yeah. And like it it was it's just really like snappy and fun looking. Like I watching mm. it, I was that that was a very strong nostalgia hit for me. It's like that sequence of yeah. this movie. Yeah, for some reason. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that part especially. Yeah. I feel like a lot of it stuck in my brain over the years. I I think while we're talking about the flashback sequence, I gotta shout out the voice of the king in particular. Just oh my because god. <laughs> I love his voice. Why, it's a nutcracker! How dare you try to palm a nutcracker off on me as a son-in-law! Him? A prince? Ha! Prince of the dolls, maybe. I banish you and your nutcracker from my kingdom forever! It's so, it's so deep and growly <laughs> and silly at the same time. It's great. He, he was voiced by uh, Len Carlson. Um, and I, I specifically, when I, when I heard him this time around, I was like, I feel like I've heard that voice somewhere. And so I ended up, I looked him up on IMDb and, uh, where I was thinking, where I was remembering him from was he voiced Thunder Carlson in the Nelvana produced Pippi Longstocking series. I don't know if you've ever watched that. It seems familiar. I feel like I probably yeah. watched some episodes of that one. Yeah, I think I think I remember yeah. that one on Teletoon specifically. Yeah. Uh, he also he he voiced Ganon in the old Legend of Zelda cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got a very a very distinctive voice. Yeah, just such a just I love his voice. I uh, you know, it's He's just one of those people that like you hear their voice in animation and you're just like, yes, you made the right choice to get into this industry. Or or I guess barring that, thank God for whoever got you into this industry because you have just such a great voice for animation. Yeah. Like your voice was was made for this. Yeah. It's perfect. Oh. So good. So glad. There's again there I kind of mentioned this at the the beginning of of this episode is just that there there's just a lot of good voice talent in this even the like a lot of the the bit characters like they these are people who who have been in quite a few animated shows and it's because of just the strength of their voice yeah also peter o'toole and phyllis diller are here <laughs> oh christ yeah great I, this is this is our second second appearance of Phyllis Diller. She's in, back. Uh, these, yeah, Bad Princess movies. She uh, she previously voiced Mother Nature in uh, Happily Ever After. She also has just a, a distinctive voice. Yeah, it's well, and you know what's funny too is that this isn't the only Nutcracker uh, version that I've seen her in. Really. Yes, we. She also appears in uh, Golden Films' *The Nuttiest Nutcracker*, 
where she voices oh. the sugar plum fairy. Nice. <laughs> Look forward Can't to wait that to, for that one. Yeah, with with just how many Nutcracker films there are, we are probably going to have to take a look at at least one Nutcracker film per Christmas season. You realize that, eh? Yeah, it's going to be something and then a Nutcracker something. Yeah, just always pair it with a Nutcracker. (laughs) This is your holiday pairing. Yeah. What goes with the Nutcracker (sighs) this year? I should have I should have done I should have done two Nutcracker movies for November and then it'd be Nutcracker November. Oh shit. Look forward to Nutcracker November next year. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Just try to get get a couple out of the way. Oh my god. <gasps> no Nutcracker November. <gasps> no. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? How do I delete a recording as it's still recorded? <laughs> Podcast cancels. Yeah. This is over. You just see, you see, like the the play bar and the recording <laughs> equipment just starts to run in reverse, and it just sucks back all the words up into your mouth. <laughs> oh no! I'm sorry. Whew, okay. Oh god. <laughs> I am. Um... I, I will say another another small nitpicky thing I have for this film is and I, and I mean this is just based on having seen a bunch of other adaptations of the Nutcracker but a lot of nut adaptations have Clara journeying into the land of the dolls much earlier in the film and the majority yeah. of the action takes place there. Yeah, that's one thing that I I realized upon this rewatch was they really don't spend any time Uh, in the land of the dolls and i kind of wish they had spent a little longer yeah and it's i don't know i feel like i kind of feel guilty for being like oh i wish that this film did what i've seen in a lot of other versions but i think it's just kind of fun to to get to see some more of the the fantastical visuals of you know like here's the 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 uh coconut snow or the you know like (sighs) that usually it's like candy themed or doll themed I don't know, which I remember even as a kid being like, damn, I wish snow actually tasted like coconut frosting. That be that would make yeah. me maybe hate snow less. Snow's kind of bland. It's just it's just cold, nasty water. Yeah, yeah, like it's just like a weird I don't know. I it's been many years since I've eaten snow, but it's just like <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember it being an unpleasant experience, but it's definitely not like a... I don't know. I guess, well, fresh snow was all right, though, I should say. Like, I mean... <laughs> what? The, the, the palette, the different options of snow yeah. eating. When it was, like, already slightly melted, that was, like, kind of the best snow because it was a little less hard on the teeth, I found. <laughs> Like you won't eat something that falls but, on the ground, but t- snow that's just upon the dirt—that's fine. Well, if it's f- no, no, no. If it's you don't. If you just kind of skim off, you the skim top it off layer. the top. <laughs> no, yeah. you're right. You're right. Actually, you're you are correct. You are. Yeah, Brie. you are right. And obviously, you like you, you gotta you gotta make sure you trust the snow. Is oh, the big yeah. thing. 
Well, that's why you take it off like a banister or something. You don't really get it off the yeah, ground. Exactly. You find like yeah, the porch yeah, no. banister. Nothing. Scrape a little nothing off Nothing of accessible by dogs. Yeah, that's the main thing. But anyway, I always, I always was like, I watched her like eat the snow that's actually coconut frosting, and I'm like, damn, that, oh, that sounds so good. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah, and it's like stuff like that. Like it would have been fun. Want to would have been fun to see it. Yeah. I also think it it, it would have been fun to see a bit more interaction between Clara and the Nutcracker. Like, I I definitely buy their little budding romance, but at the same time. They don't get to spend a ton of time together. So I think it just yeah. would have been, it's like, I like what we did get and I wish that we could have gotten more of it, basically. Yeah, that would have been good. Even her her talking more with the dolls, just in general. Because like, she, you've got mm. the, the three other dolls. You've got uh, Marie, Trudy, and Pantaloon. Yeah. And there's, I just, more time with them would have been, would have been cute. I, I, yeah. I don't remember liking Marie much as a child. Rewatching it now, I'm like Marie is great because <laughs> she's just like I yeah I love her Southern too. Southern Belle doll. She's just like mm-hmm. ridiculous. I'm like you are great actually. Yeah, she's she's a bit she's that character who she's a bit prissy, but then when she when push comes to shove, she flips it and does like just starts slapping shit around like she you you see in the first uh the first battle between the mouse king and the nutcracker the the mice start chasing her and she's you know screaming and running around but then somebody i I forget what it was specifically but somebody gets something on her dress and she immediately she's just like oh hell no and she like uppercuts one of the mice yeah (laughs) she's just like you don't mess with her dress yeah, it's like, oh no, you have crossed, you, there was a line, you have found it, and you have crossed it, sir. <laughs> and then, and the, there's also the, the swans bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, yeah. So when they first enter the castle, when they're going into the land of the dolls, um, there's like the clockwork sort of uh, dancers that are just sort of swirling mm-hmm. around, and they, they don't appear to be animate like the dolls are. But she's standing there, and then one of the 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 dancers, the one of the dancing guys, just sort of like swoops in and and brings her around in a dance, and she's like, "Ooh!" But then it just like sw- sw- like sweeps her off into like the back of the, <laughs> the castle where yeah. there's nothing going yeah. on, and they just kind of leave her there. <laughs> yeah, and they go out, like, okay. Yeah, they go out the back to like carry on towards the land of the dolls and there's the two there's like these grand swans like these giant swans with with uh uh like carriage, little saddles on little saddle yeah. carriages on their back that they hop into and it's two apiece so it's trudy and pantaloon in one and then and hans and clara in the other and they take off and marie runs out like wait for me <laughs> And she looks around, yeah. and there's just a random ass, like normal duck, just <laughs> swimming in the pond. Yeah. Well, like a a like giant sized duck yeah. that she just like 
it's it's so great because again she was so like prissy earlier but she she sees everybody has Elsa's flown off she has to catch up so she spies this duck in the pond and then she just jumps in and just immediately just like makes her way to the duck and just jumps on it so that she could just ride it bareback to the castle <laughs> she just like clamps her arms around this duck's neck and is like let's go I'm like Maria's awesome yeah, actually like- she's fantastic oh, I love her and then she gets, she kind of gets her own little cute moment when she, so when she lands, um, and she is, the lands in a, another kind of like shallow lake and then- Dumped one unceremoniously the, one by the, the duck. Yeah, yeah. And then one of the, one of the living doll guards comes up to her to assist her and he just picks her up and he says, You are the most beautiful doll I have ever seen. <sighs> But I don't know, it's just a yeah. cute little moment that... Yeah. yeah. And then you see the two of them arm in arm as they're Yeah, they're, they're like all the walking castle. into the castle and it's like Trudy and Pantaloon again, Clara and Hans. And then it's her and this random guard that, that helped her. And it's yeah. just cute. Yeah. It's just, it's just cute. That just sums it's, up this movie. It's just very cute. And like, it's just I loved I loved Trudy and Pantaloon too, because Trudy is like, she, I I don't know who gives like an old lady doll to their child, but she's like, a, yeah. she looks like a soft doll because she doesn't have like fingers, she has mitts, so she's mm-hmm. just like this older like like a granny kind of doll. She's just very old and sweet, and Pantaloon is just fantastic, also. Because he's yeah, just, like, yeah. quoting things. And at one point, he, when they're fighting, he's just like, I can't, I don't know. I had it written down, but I don't think I got it quite right. But he's, like, he's fighting with one of these mice. And he's like, if not to heaven, then hand in hand to hell. And you're like, Jesus, Pantaloon. Yeah, he, he quotes, he does, like, a lot of Shakespeare quotes. Yeah. Pantaloon, you're as good as new. When birds do sing, hey, ding a ding ding, sweet lovers, loveless green. It's great. And they're just so sweet because it's it's just really cute. And as they're walking in, like, uh, for more, like, Hans is, is just like a good kid. As they're walking in arm in arm into this castle and all of the, the like, dolls are cheering for them, Clara's like, oh, I think you're supposed to wave. And he just sort of, like, sheepishly looks around and kind of waves. And he's just like, you're just like, oh, this is just like an awkward kid that is, like, in this situation now. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I, that's that's kind of why I wish we could have seen more of it. Because he's just like... Just, like, they're both awkward together. They're both bashful and shy. And it's just so cute to see. And it's adorable. Yeah. I do do kind of wonder, I guess he must have had some sword training or something for him to kill the mouse king. I mean, I I guess. I guess. It's not like like the mouse... I don't think the mouse king was also very trained. I think he was just big. So when he swung his sword, it was like, he was just a huge mouse. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, again, it's one of those, like, little minor things that it's like, you could get really nitpicky about it, but it's also like, 
Ah, eh, whatever. Yeah. Just let me be happy, goddammit. <laughs> just, just hand wave that. It's yeah. fine. Whatever. Yeah, I don't... I genuinely didn't have a lot of notes for this one. Mostly because I spent a lot of it just sort of, like, smiling and enjoying it. <laughs> like, I caught myself, yeah, like, near the end of the in. movie. I was just, like, smiling. Aww. Just in nostalgia and happiness, and it was just cute. <laughs> thanks, thanks for this one, Christy. Oh, a good no one. problem. I, I'm glad. I'm glad that we were able to take a movie that was take a look at a movie that was near and dear to you. Because as fun as it is to look at these weird ass princess movies, like <laughs> princess castles of the world, you know, it's it's also nice to take a look at a genuinely good princess movie yeah and just, you know especially like not and not to get too real or too like t uh, you know timely about this movie but this year fucking sucks yeah 2020 hasn't been great so sometimes yeah yeah it's nice nice to be able to dig up a a classic from your childhood and just be able to bask in the warmth that that nostalgia brings you yeah. Yeah, it was just it was just a pleasant little time and I I am grateful for that. Yeah. Now take now now take that feeling that you feel right now that warm happiness and hold it close because next we're going to be taking a look at the Swan Princess Christmas <laughs> and you might need to dig deep to get yourself through that one. <laughs> look, I enjoyed I enjoyed the the first Swan Princess one we did, which was the fifth Swan Princess, I think, yes. that was fun. Yes, I had fun with that one. So maybe I, you know what? I'm not dreading it. I'm looking forward yeah. to it. Okay, that's good. I'm glad. It's I'm looking forward to that one. It's going to be a fun way to end the year. And then uh, yeah. I guess as a heads up to people, after we do the Swan Princess Christmas, we're going to be taking a few weeks off. But we will be rejoining you all in the new year. And uh, if you want to stay up to date with the updates about, uh, you know, the Bad Princess Movie Podcast, feel free to follow us on Twitter at Bad Princess MOV. Um, we've also got the, the catalog of Bad Princess Movies at badprincessmovies.com. Feel free to check that out if you want to take a look at one of the other... Uh, like <laughs> of Christmas movies. Some get a, get a sneak movies. peek at some of those coming next year mm -hmm. and, and thereafter. Yeah. And then if you have a comment or question for us, feel free to send it to us via email at badprincessmovies at gmail.com. And, and hopefully, if you can track down or somehow watch this, this movie, you might have a nice mm -hmm. time. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know what? Do it. That's your homework, people. If you haven't seen this one <laughs> that before, that is your homework. That's your yes. Your homework is to to watch the movie and then and then email us and tell us whether or not you agree with Mr. Ebert. <laughs> I'm desperate to know. Please tell uh, yes. me what if if either Ebert or <laughs> Ebert or Ebert. us were on the right track. Yeah. Yeah, let us know what your thoughts are. I'm, I'm genuinely, I'm very curious if this, you know, like, 
for us at least, we, you know, we don't really, we aren't really bothered, I guess, is the way to put, you know, the We're the also ending, looking but... at this, uh, like, 30 years later, so. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the times have changed, but I, I know as a child it didn't, you know. Yeah. Maybe we need somebody out there, if you've got a kid, show them this movie. <laughs> Please let me know if it scared them. I'm just really curious. And if it does scare them, I'm sorry. But also, please make sure you email me. Yes. <laughs> but with that, like, uh, I hope hope you've all enjoyed and thanks for joining us. I, I have taken the yeah. outro this time. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I guess you, you know what it's this is your your a treasured childhood movie of yours you Aww. feel free you do the you do the outro for this one well thanks for joining us everyone and thank you Christy and uh we'll talk to you next time on the bad princess movie podcast <laughs> where most of the time we talk about bad movies but this time it was a really good one Okay. Good night, Good everybody. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Woo. Thank you. I did it. Woo. Woo.